0: Today we can take a look at holiday homes. There's plenty to talk about with holiday homes and maybe tax deductions and so on. We'll find out about that that a little bit later on in the day. We're going to have our weekly market update as well. And Henry Jennings, Senior Market Commentator at Marcus today, will be joining us. And we're going to start off by taking a general look at the market. Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard here today. Hello to you. And how's the market travelling oh, at the Jane, moment?
1: Oh, the market's are all over the place this are week. Yeah, so like last up, week. Down, up, up down, down, up, down, up, down, roundabout. What are we at the moment? Um, the all was is, uh, it was 6,843 yesterday.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so the gold price price was down $40.02 an ounce, which is a big drop, $2,201, which is almost 2% on the week. Uh, the crude oil was up sixteen a barrel, which is uh, to $87.36. Mm-hmm. Um, and the currency is Australian, fortunately, Australia is down all around the world. Um, we're down to 67.58 US cent, Cents um, against the Great British Pound, we're fifty-two point seven pence, and against the Euro, we're sixty-one point eight three euro cents. Okay, so, so we, we're not you know, holiday we're not season coming our own. up, people yeah. going overseas, it's all got more expensive. Um, you've made a bit of money on the equity markets though this week. Um, the All Ordinaries, as I said, was uh, up two point seven percent on the week to six thousand eight hundred forty-three. Uh, the S the S and P for- 500 was up 1.7 to 2,989.69 and 69 and the UK uh, index was uh, pretty much steady at down point quarter of a percent to 7,167 as BREX rolls around. The markets not does. predicting a disaster like. Some
0: no, no the market isn't. And in fact, even the news isn't at the no, moment. It's, it's thinking there might be, be it's something happening. It'll yeah. be
1: good for Australia, anyway.
0: M- well, maybe, yeah. yeah. I hope so.
1: You <laughs> might get some of our export markets back. Yeah, um, yes. And BHP was uh, up. Uh, almost a dollar, thirty-six dollars and four cents. Uh, CBA was up two dollars thirty-three to eighty dollars and forty-three cents. Uh, right. NIB was up fifteen cents on the week to six dollars eighty-nine, and, and Telstra even managed to rise of ten cents um, to three dollars sixty-one. And they're still blaming Sultra here for all their problems at the end of oh, January right. this week. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's a while since he left, isn't oh, it?
0: Sultra so here, five six years. Yeah, an hour.
1: about that. Yeah, and uh, the unleaded fuel price in Newcastle was down two point eight cents to a dollar forty three point seven, and in Sydney a dollar forty five point eight, which was was down thirteen cents, and the diesel a dollar fifty one in Newcastle and Sydney a dollar forty seven.
0: Thursday finance and time we had a look and just a little bit of an in depth look at the market at the moment. Stephen Pritchard, we're joined by Henry Jennings from Marcus Today.
1: Henry Jennings. <laughs>
2: Stephen Pritchard. A bit of excitement
1: in the market today, this
2: week? Well, there there has been some excitement. There's always excitement in the market, Stephen, you know that. Yes, I Um, do. But we have had uh, some good days this week. Um, We had a really good day yesterday, up 85 points. Um, This is all on the back of, um, I guess, a more positive trade um, background, and that maybe we are going to get some sort of at least phase one Kind of um, trade deal signed between Mr. Trump and Mr. Xi at, um, at the APEC meeting in Chile next month. But um, there's many a slip between cup and lip, as they say. Also, some hopes on Brexit being sorted. Not that anyone cares anymore, apart from the media and a few pollies in the UK. I think we're all well and truly over it. Um, and, but um, certainly, you know, there's a better tone to the market. And we have got uh, the banking sector, of course, the results coming up at the, uh, the end of the month, beginning of November, for the uh, the banks. So a lot of eyes will be on those and uh, the dividends, of course. We've had Bank of Queensland out today and they cut their dividends.
1: Yes, well, that's not a surprise. So uh,
2: no, no, I think the word challenging didn't quite make it into the outlook statement, but it was pretty close.
1: Mm. Yes, and so challenging was uh, the Latitude financial float. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, and Mr. Fahar has missed out on his $22.5 million uh, bonus. I couldn't believe it. I could not uh, believe it when I saw that.
2: I feel his pain. I feel his pain. Yeah, no, I'm, we, we, I wrote this up in the newsletter as uh, the pig with lipstick, um, and I think we even talked about it last week in terms of, you know, it was the GE money business. Yes. They, and they dressed it up and they had a go at floating it last year and they've had another go of floating it this year and hoped I guess that in this environment of low interest rates the 5.8% yield would be enough to tempt people out of the woodwork and, and into this one um, but you know, they were trying to sell it as a growth stock trying to sell it as a buy now pay later aspirant um, but it's, it really was at the end of the day GE money dressed up stuck some lipstick on it and a CEO that was getting paid a lot of money um, to bring it to market unfortunately not going to happen. They had to reprice it at the well, They priced at the bottom end of um, the market expectations, uh, and then they had to reprice it over last weekend. And they finally decided it was DOA and pulled the plug uh, on it uh, on Tuesday night. So all gone. I don't think we're going to see strike three on this one.
1: No, I, you know, as soon as I saw he was getting twenty-two and a half million listed, I threw the prospectus straight in the round filing cabinet.
2: Yeah, I'm always very suspicious of uh, celebrity endorsements and things like that with these sorts of things. And Alec Baldwin was pushing it a few years ago, and you know, you got mm, a celebrity mm. CEO. Celebrity is the right word. I'm not sure it's the right word, um, but anyhow, so, the CEO yeah. of Australia Post. Yeah, he got 10 million there.
1: Yeah, they did well, didn't they? Yeah, so now, on to Afterpay. UBS is predicting that the uh, uh, share price is, is going to halve within the next year because of looming regulatory challenges to the most. Yeah. Um, I, you
2: know, I guess the, the whole business model of Afterpay um, is, is kind of... Uh, walking a fine line, if you like, and we've seen regulatory authorities look at it here in terms of whether they're a credit provider or whether they're just, um, because they do not charge any interest, um, whether they're just, you know, offering a service. The the big thing that UBS was was pretty much pointing out was the bigger they get, the more they're likely to have regulators look at them. And I guess this is a similar thing to Facebook with its Libra cryptocurrency. You know, it's all very well having a little mob launching their own cryptocurrency, no one really cares about that. But um, when someone like Facebook, with however many billions of uh, active members around the globe, wants to move outside the current financial system, regulators get a little bit squeamish and a little bit worried mm. about this, and they tend to clamp down. Um, UBS also has some concerns about the margins that, um, that uh, they charge the merchants, of course, so that you know, are around Imagine over time that competition will come in with after pay look and we've already seen a few lists yep. here after pay look-alikes that um, you know you're going to get someone coming in at 3% and I've always um, written in a newsletter about how um, you know it's like the scene from something about Mary when the serial killer's in the car with um, with the hero and says you know the, the six-minute abs and and he says well why can't we have five-minute abs or three-minute abs eventually you know someone's going to come in and say well why charge four percent we'll do it for three percent or we'll do it for two percent or what so it's going to over time i can't see the margins expanding i can see them contracting and uh, i guess ubs just pointed this out after pace had an extraordinary run It does have risks. Um, And we are seeing some... Now, the market's been looking quite buoyant this week, but it has been a shift back away from um, the high flyers, shall we say, Mm -hmm. into uh, more prosaic and more boring stocks like the banks.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And and just... One more story before we have a quick break is that yep. the Lowy family seems to have exited the last of its remnants of its Westfield investments with its sale of its, share, or its units in yeah. Centre Group this week. Uh,
2: this was the biggest ever uh, placement as uh, they sold uh, their Centre Group at $3.90, or just short of $96. Um, they're trading at $3.90 now, yes. So I guess it's uh, a bit of a, a canary in a coal mine as far as uh, the retail market goes. Um, and we're certainly seeing that in consumer sentiment, in retail sales and all the other things. We know things are changing. And these guys who, are, you know, for decades they've been part of the furniture in terms of the retail landscape, um, have exited this, the building stage left, pursued by a bear. So um, it's um, yeah, an interesting move. I guess it's hardly unexpected. And, uh, you know, they, they've done pretty well out of the uh, <laughs> business
0: but, um, yeah, that no, was, was certainly an interesting move and a bit of a, a sad signal for the uh, the real retail businesses. Thursday, Finance on to a new RFM, and we're in the midst of our market update with Henry Jennings. Over to you, Stephen Pritchard.
1: And uh, Harvey Norman had a bit of a shortfall in its rights issue of, uh, of $7.8 million out of $174 million. Uh, i I think that, that... I mean, there was a bit of story in the media about it, but I think that's just a capus of uh, people... Uh, not, not, not looking at the documents they're getting.
2: Um, yeah, I have gotta say it wasn't a massive shortfall. I don't know why everyone was making a big, big thing about it. To be, um, to be quite honest, so um, I think they were budgeting for around four or five million bucks worth of shortfall. It came in at eight. Um, yeah big deal uh, yeah I, I
1: think that's a lot of these people are buying shares, and they don't really understand what they're buying, and they get these documents and they just throw them away.
2: well, people are away they are on holidays mm. they don't mm. they don't realize what they are it's um I know from my own experience it's a busy time for the post yep. box oh, um, well, yeah. I, with with AGMs I seem to get the poor old postman is delivering massive amounts of bits of paper about voting for this and voting mm-hmm. for that, and stuff gets lost it's not it's, I don't think it's a, mm-hmm. it's a it's a big deal for uh, for Jerry, I don't think he'd be losing any sleep over it. I have to say, but um, oh. stock has uh, has dropped back towards four bucks after the um, with that capital raising. But um, yeah, I think Jerry would not lose too much sleep over that shortfall.
1: And what surprised me is that retail food groups capital raising has been increased
2: from yeah. <laughs> yeah. institutional
1: support, I couldn't
2: yeah. believe it. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, I guess there's a bit of a do-or-die moment for Retail Food Group. Um, They've been on on a a nice trajectory towards administration um, Mm -hmm. with huge amounts of debt um, and businesses that have been going not so good. Um, They run businesses like Gloria Jeans and... um, Uh, Michael's Patisserie, Michelle's Patisserie, sorry, not Michael's, got to make it posher, Um, and uh, things like crust pizza as well. Um, So they issued shares at $0.10. They're trading at $0.16.5. So it it was a big discount. So it's kind of do or die. It's the big average down. They have a big supporter in uh, Australian Super, which has around 19.9% now of the business. So um, they have a big supporter, but it is... Very much averaging down for lots of investors in this. The good news, I guess, was that they had some of the uh, the debt forgiven and some restructured. So that does help because it was laden with a lot of debt. But um, yeah, talk about doubling down. And I, I was quite surprised that, um, as you say, it was increased. It was increased from one hundred sixty to one hundred ninety million. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, there was a lot of a um, lot of doubling down for a lot of people that have done a lot of money in this stock. Mm-hmm.
1: And then reject reject shop, which, is, which has been in um, reject land for a while, seems to, or at least they're saying they're recovering um, and on the first uh, quarter sales. They're going back to their uh, roots of selling discounted groceries and food and pet food. Yeah, yeah well,
2: <laughs> it's been a, it's been a rough old ride for uh, for retail sh- re- reject shop shareholders, i have to say, but they, it looks as if they've bottomed, and, and maybe if the economy slips uh, ever so quietly into a bit of a hole locally, um, you know, the reject shop could actually do well as it um, competes uh, for, for the cheaper end of the market, which is where it was traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, they did kind of move away from that and stuffed it up, and um, but maybe then sticking back to their they're knitting and, uh, and uh, on the right path. But um, good, good to see it's had a big move upwards. It doesn't have huge amounts of volume, so um, you have to be a little bit careful on that one. But it has been uh, quite volatile over the last couple of years. But yes. maybe they're, uh, maybe their back to, to, to
1: basics is, uh, is going to work for them. Yeah, it's interesting. And then two profit downgrades yesterday with corresponding shelf. Share price falls in Nick Scarly and Southern Cross?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess this is telling us something that was a little bit uh, worrying because we've been constantly barraged, uh, bombarded with, uh, you know, in the media about how well the property market's going, how it's all on the up, etc. And I guess there was a hope that uh, Nick Scarly, which flogs um, Italian sofas, uh, was going to do uh, similarly well. And the stock price has been doing pretty well up until the moment it stopped doing very well and actually confessed that things have been pretty tough since august october hadn't got any better um consumer sentiment has been pointing to this anyway along the way so it's hardly come as a massive uh, surprise um, um, but um, the market seemed to be very surprised about it. It's down another three percent today. Uh, Southern Cross again. I mean, these guys, advertising market, radio and TV. Again, consumer sentiment. Everything has been a little bit slippy and downwards. Um, and and we are seeing this, um, you know, this environment slipping away. So uh, again, no surprise. But it doesn't bode well, I guess, for um, for businesses heading into uh, into the next quarter or half. Um, We have got a lot of AGMs at the moment, and one or two have been okay. Um, Treasury Wine Estates was okay, and uh, even CBA managed to uh, escape the wrath of shareholders to some extent. So um, some some good out there, but but obviously there's certainly some pockets of weakness, and maybe this housing recovery is not uh, boosting sofa sales. It does seem to be investor-led rather than first-time buyers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder, if, the I wonder if this property price recovery is really just real estate agent talk.
2: Um, I, think, I think a lot of it is. And maybe, um, you know, I always believe there's a big bathtub full of money and it sloshes around. And, uh, you know, the equity market was hot, so the, the sloshing was uh, coming out of property into equities. And now, of course, there's risks around equities and the global growth scenario and trade talks. So we're seeing money has been sloshing out of equities back into the property market so um i think it's it does seem to be very much investor led at the moment and maybe the people that then rent the places um can't actually afford to buy that five thousand dollar italian sofa having stumped up for the rent
1: Um, five thousand seems cheap but anyhow we'll talk to you next week henry (laughs) seems
2: expensive to me (laughs) Uh,
1: i wouldn't even buy one
2: (laughs) I can't yeah. afford
1: it. I have to get a one from Saint Vincent to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Henry. Thank
0: you, Henry Jennings from Marcus today, and we'll talk to you again next week for our look in-depth look at the market. This is Thursday Finance and. Uh, gonna take a look at holiday homes, holiday houses, uh, and some of the financial aspects of that. And also, if you've got a question you'd like to put to Stephen Pritchard today on personal investment, taxation, the stock market, you could give us a call 49216216. 216. So holiday homes, Stephen Pritchard, why do people buy them? Well, uh,
1: um, I think I think what happens is, that particularly at this time of year and coming up to Christmas and Probably Easter as people go on holidays and they stay in a a, a unit or a, a house or whatever and then they, um, particularly over Christmas they they're paying three thousand dollars a week or probably more mm-hmm. um, depending where you are and they think oh well this is this must be a good investment you know we're we're, we're paying three thousand oh, it's a hundred and fifty thousand a year and um, we're going to get in in revenue and uh, so then they kind of fall in a bit of love with the place and they go down to the local real estate agent and the, and you know the next thing they know they've bought this uh this holiday house well of course the three thousand dollars a week you get is um that you're getting over christmas what what really happens in holiday houses is that um if it's rented out you, you probably will rent it over Christmas for six or eight weeks depending on the school holidays, and then you'll probably rent it over Easter for uh two or three weeks and um the the the, the, the rest of the year it's going to be mainly vacant
0: mainly vacant mainly vacant you could use it yourself, of course.
1: Well, of course, yes. We need to we need to talk about that because okay. that raises all situations. Yeah. So a lot of people fall in love with this idea of this holiday. So I mean, you must have been to places and think, oh, I wouldn't mind. A,
0: oh, always. You know, yes, they're all you know, lovely. You go
1: up to the Blue Mountains and stay in Blackheath, and you think, oh, it will be good to come down here all the time. And yeah, you know. um, and and I think that's a, a lot of this is emotional decisions. And then when people buy them, they find that it's not not so good. Because then then we're talking about. Um, um, using it yourself, and so what traditionally happens is that they buy these holiday houses, and of course, the, the peak renting period is over the Christmas and Easter, generally, and you know a few long weekends. Of course, the peak renting period is when you actually want to use it yourself. <laughs> Very likely. <laughs> Very likely. So that raises all sorts of um, um, tax issues that we'll get to in a minute, um, and 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 so. They also think of these tax benefits that they're going to get well the, the, the tax office is aware of all these and they're actually there was a project on holiday houses this year and last year they started having a look at what's actually happening with these holiday houses that people have uh, rented or, or bought and are, are trying to say they're rented and there's been a few cases on that so we'll talk about that as well
0: well yes we certainly will do you want to start talking about it now okay so
1: so so one of the key things is that the people buy these holiday houses houses and they think they're going to negatively gear them. Well, well that's fine. So what what has to happen is the, the, the property has to be available for rent. Um, so that means that, that you can't uh, cross out the Christmas period when you're getting the big rents in the Easter period or wherever you want and, and rent that out. And, and, and say, well, well, no one wanted to, to come and rent it, or you can't put a rent so high under that period that no one comes and rent it. It has to be legitimately available for rent, and it has to be kind of the market rent that that properties get for that period of time so then so then what you need to look at is is the expenses so you can you can claim all the the usual expenses but but if you like the electricity rates the strata fees the the interest on the loan and and things like that but if you're actually actually occupying at this this place yourself um you have to apportion those expenses so if you're if you're in there for for four weeks say um and we'll leave out the holiday period. so say you're in there for four weeks in August, which isn't the which isn't the holiday period. Um, you're only entitled to claim um, um, 48, 50 seconds of the total deductions that are applicable. So, so that all has to be a be a portion, and all the time you stay there reduces the amount of uh, t- claims you can make for tax.
0: Okay. So,
1: and the other thing is that the ATA is very. Very tough on you know you saying it's renting out, but no one's renting it out, and because you have occupied it at the pre the premium rental times of the of the of the place that that, that can be occupied.
0: So the ATO would look at all of that, as in well, when you, it's well there's, there's
1: actually rent. questions on the tax returns now that okay. you know how many weeks was it available for rent, um, yes. how many weeks was it rented. Um, And, you know, know, once you start answering those type of questions, you you know, I I imagine there's some analysis they're doing to trigger, um, you you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing, just while we're on ATO, um, um, there has been these cases where people have rented stuff out through B&B and and for whatever reason – uh, forgot about it when they've come to um, to uh, get their tax returns done, um, or do the tax return sales. So, so the ATO has now uh, obtained all the information from. Airbnb, and I'm not sure how far they're going back, um, but they're going to start data matching that. So, so I'd recommend it if you've if you've uh, actually rented a place out through Airbnb and you've somehow forgot to claim it on your tax return, you pr- you probably want to think about going and doing amendment and making a voluntary disclosure because I suspect once you get a letter saying the ATA is examining it. Um, uh the penalties might be considerable so so voluntary disclosure the penalties are usually significantly less than than the, than the 200% the ATA can uh, mm. um, so they are starting to data match um Airbnb rents and
0: people's tax returns against
1: people's tax returns mm. and they, the details on rental properties are, are quite um quite um more and more details are being asked, okay. and of course, one of the other things that people used to try and say is that, oh, we have to travel up there and we'd claim all the expenses. So if you've got the, if you've got the, I mean, there was some people even marketing this: you'd buy a unit on the Gold Coast and you could fly up there, and all your expenses would be deductible because you're inspecting that, inspecting the unit. Well, um, you know, I don't yes, think that no? was that was ever on. But what's yeah. now happened? Is that the, um, last last budget, the budget before last? You can now long claim no travel expenses in respect of rental re- residential properties. Okay. So that you know the legitimate ones have been killed along with these. Um, so so before you before you jump into the holiday house, what you need to do is is you need to look at um, what your likely likely income is going to be. What, what your likely expenses are going to be um, and how much are you are you going to actually use the place
0: mm, and make a logical decision a reasoned one rather than Not an emotional, emotional one. one and we're talking on to a new RFm's Thursday finance about uh, some of the bigger little things I suppose Stephen Pritchard as we're looking at holiday homes and whenever you go out and buy another residence somewhere it's going to be a considerable outlay
1: yeah you know you consider out I mean, unless you unless you're looking at some of the country areas, like I was up at Caven the other week, and you can you can buy a property up there for about 140,
0: mm, and that's quite a big property, I suppose. No, no, in the no? little
1: village up there. Yeah. Yeah. They look quite decent though. I mean mm-hmm. that's that that's probably not a bad little holiday house place out of the way. But generally you you know, if you're gonna spend like but like most people around here think of holiday houses at Foster or the Gold Coast or you know
0: yeah, we go for the beach. Central Coast <laughs> yes. or, or stuff
1: like that. I mean you're probably talking six hundred thousand or so. Yes, yeah. yes and the other thing you need to forget think about when you 're doing your budget is that um, uh, is is land tax Now the land tax is um, in, generally in New South Wales, your principal residence is where you live is exempt from land tax, but all other property gets included in land tax mm. and uh, and it 's based on the underlying land value so when you When you think about um, your expenses, you need to actually consider whether the property is going to be subject to land tax. Um, and what other property holdings you got because they're all aggregated. You might find that you have a rental property and you decide to buy the holiday ham and all of a sudden you're going to trip into the land tax threshold. And the land tax is different from each state. So, so New South Wales land tax thresholds and how it's calculated is different from Queensland and it's different from Victoria. Um, so you need to think about that as well.
0: So if you have a principal residence in New South Wales and a, another, a holiday home, a property in Queensland, does that uh, the value of that get counted for your New South Wales no, no. tax? No, no. Each, each
1: state stand alone.
0: And following on from that, does Queensland, the Queensland government then think to charge you for the one?
1: Well they they, they, they would each each state has a threshold before land taxes start to impose. Right. Like in New South Wales I think it's about three hundred and thirty thousand or something like that at the moment. So if the property value is less than three hundred and thirty it doesn't attract land tax even though it's not your residence. Mm-hmm. But if it but 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 if your all your properties are aggregated. Mm-hmm. So if you had say a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar property and a two hundred and fifty, so you've got two two fifty thousand properties. The value for land tax is half a million, so you, they, they're all aggregated, and that's similar between the estates as well. So the, the land tax is all aggregated on a state by state basis. Right. So, so yes. you need to be careful um, about. The land tax issues in the various states, and the value of the and,
0: property, as and it the value happens. of the property.
1: Now, if you the holder house is going to be subject to a capital gains tax as well, so the, the capital gains tax on 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 properties, and you basically need to get some advice on this. Non income producing properties is calculated um, slightly different to. Um, Normal. So basically, what you need to do is you need to keep all the expenses you're paying on the property for which you don't get a tax deduction. So, if you've got the holiday house, you're going to get council rates and water rates. And, and, and assuming we decide not to rent it out and we keep it ourselves, um, all those expenses be added to the cost base and can be deducted at the time of sale. So mm-hmm. that means that if you're going to keep a you buy a holiday house and you keep it for uh, 10 years you can deduct your your council rates and everything but you're going to need to keep all those receipts for the repairs and everything else for 10 years or 15 years or however long you have the property in order to retain the tax deduction for that.
0: Right, well, it's all to do with capital gains
1: tax. So I want to keep a capital gains tax. Yeah. Mm. So holiday houses are, are, are probably, probably most people an emotional purpose a purchase you probably, if you do the cost of you know running the holiday house, you're probably better off. As we discussed earlier, go and rent somewhere. You're not locked in each year, um, and and it probably works out cheaper anyhow.
0: And last thing on capital gains tax was I right when I think I heard that if you rent part of your home out as an Airbnb, then that will also that percentage yeah, will also residence. count your residence. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Um. So so this is this is. Kind of hasn't been tested, but but I think that's right um, so so the, the principal price of residence is exempt by it's the principal price of residence. if you start carrying on businesses from there i uh, you have a say you have a home business and you do um, sewing for example, the proportion of the house that's used for your sewing business is no longer your residence, so it's subject to capital gains tax. The same would apply for renting out rooms for mm. Airbnb.
0: Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thank you, Jane. finance in next Thursday after the midday news.
2: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.